0: Thank you so much for that powerful song and uh, your response to it. I'm grateful and thankful, and boy, we're <clears throat> in a place as a people that we're going to have to stand for the Lord. And uh, <clears throat> I've been preaching along these lines and trying to move us into a, a thought, and, and uh, so I want you to be, be praying as we, uh, as we preach today and as we move into tonight and uh, in the days ahead. Thank you so much. I think that we all sense the gravity of the moment. And uh, let's take our Bibles and turn to a couple places. First of all, our theme for this year, First Corinthians chapter number 15. We read one verse there in verse number 58. And uh, in just a moment, I'll have you stand, but also I want you to turn, please, to Acts chapter number 20, and we're actually going to uh, make our case today in Acts 20. And uh, I will tell you what I told the first service. I'll do my best to stay on point today because my mind is just kind of going just like pinging like that right there. And um, I do want to stabilize us today as, I, if, as much as I can as a people. Uh, our, our, uh, our spiritual cages have been rattled this past year in 2020, uh, 2020. and um, it appears as though uh, none of that's over. And um, I'm not talking just specifically about the coronavirus. I'm talking about just our nation as a whole is being rocked right now before our very eyes. If you're paying attention at all. And uh every nation's being affected right now. And let me just stop and say this. I'm getting way ahead of my game. But how many believe the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back again? And how many believe he told us it would be like this? Now, I, I said he told us it would be like this. He just said in the last days of perilous times would come. We didn't, it's hard for us to put definition to our times. Uh, how that would play out, and so uh, let's stand together, please. Read in God's word and uh, verse uh, number fifty-eight. Our theme for this year, and uh, <clears throat> I'd like you to read that out loud with me together in First Corinthians chapter fifteen, verse fifteen. Let's read it in unison together. Ready? Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord, I'll preach on that more tonight. But on the front of our calendar this year, I thought this would be on our bulletin cover, but on the front of our, th- our calendar, um, we have this, this uh, very popular uh, lighthouse with the, the storms just kind of, the waves, just the tempest just beating around it, and uh, yet it's standing there in the middle of all that. The church is a picture of a lighthouse, the gospel as well, and I want us as a church family to take our stand and be unmovable. You see, it's not enough just to stand I want us not to move in that stand. Now, take your, hold your place right here, but I want you to turn back to Acts chapter 20, just a couple verses. I'll let you, let you be seated. In Acts chapter number uh, 20 and verse number 19, we pick up reading, the apostles make his way to Jerusalem where he'll make his last stand. <laughs> From there, they'll arrest him. They'll try to kill him and they'll eventually get him to Rome. But he's going there and he says this to the Ephesian elders, verse 19, Serving the Lord with all humility of mind, and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the line and weight of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Now behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost. Witnesseth in every city, saying, that bonds and afflictions abide me, but none of these things move me. Neither count I myself my life; neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy in the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus, to testify the gospel of the grace of God. I want you to read our text, verse, verse number twenty-four. Let's read that out loud together in unison. Verse twenty-four. Ready? But none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy, and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus, to testify the gospel of the grace of God. I'm going to speak on this subject for just a while this morning, the unmovable Christian, the unmovable Christian. Father, bless your word and challenge us, Lord, with truth, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. If you'll forgive me, I'm going to walk right over here to my, my pew. And I'm going to get my bottle of water. And it takes a lot of water to run a windmill like this and to preach two times on Sunday morning. But uh, I was thinking about just this matter of movement. There's a lot going on right now. It's happening very rapidly in Christians' lives. They're moving away from the Lord. And I know apostasy has a lot to do with that and worldliness and all of that. But I I don't want... When we we finish in 2021, if God lets us live through all of it and God doesn't return to get us. I don't want any of you to move. I'm tired of people moving. I suppose that over the years as a pastor, I've watched many people quit on God. I've watched uh, good people who are deeply involved in ministry, just throw in the towel. For some, the pressure is too great. Uh, For others, they love the world more than they love serving the Lord Jesus Christ who died for them. And I've never figured that out, how somebody can take free salvation and then walk away from it. But nevertheless, it happens. Others, uh, temptation drew them into some kind of sin, and that they felt as though they were too embarrassed or too ashamed to go on. <clears throat> but people do not normally arrive at the decision to quit overnight. The progression is slow, and it is subtle. Uh, it starts, though, it always starts with the same, and that is movement, movement, movement away from God and His Word, movement towards selfish thinking movement toward worldly ideas, but it begins with movement. And though we live in a wicked and twisted world, it's not the world that grieves me. The Lord told us that the world would be like it is today, and he told us that it would wax worse. (laughs) But as a pastor, I'm always heartbroken when someone chooses to turn back on God. You see, um, you may not know this about me, but I'm a pastor. That means I'm an under-shepherd under Christ. And I don't want to lose anybody out of the fold. No one. And someone just said recently, well, you know, you haven't lost too many people. I, you don't get it. I don't want to lose anybody. I'm a pastor. What kind of pastor would I be if I just said, you know, well, you win some, you lose some. I mean, the Lord Jesus Christ is not like that. He's the great shepherd. He's the good shepherd. He don't want to lose anybody out of the fold. But yet we see movement. I always get to start to get nervous when I see movement and movement often begins with maybe moving away from solid Bible doctrine or teaching or movement away from faithfulness to the Scriptures and instruction, movement away from authority of Scripture or authority of the church and things like that. When I see somebody starting to come out from the umbrella of God or starting to see movement away from serving God, it begins to concern me, movement away from faithfulness to God's house, movement away from the, th- the things of God and things we've been taught and our moorings there, moving away from serving God and using your gifts and talents for God, just movement. When I see movement, it begins to concern me, and it should concern you. Our nation has been moving slowly for many years, and now it's moving very, very quickly. We understand all of that as far as the world's concerned, but you should be concerned about which way you're moving. Are you moving toward God or are you moving away from God? Apostasy will drag you away from God, but a Christ-centered life will always be moving toward the Lord Jesus Christ and toward Christ's likeness. Christ's likeness does not involve worldliness. Now, the Apostle Paul was unmovable, and that is borne out in Scripture. I want to look at the statement he makes in verse twenty-four, and I want us to eventually find out what kept him from being moved. He says in this verse, "None of these things move me." <clears throat> well, let's investigate what were those things, Paul. That, uh, that were uh, trying to move you. Would you write this first one down? People could not move him. People could not move him. The Bible tells us in verse 19 that there was, there was a people trying to lie in wait and plot against him and pull him away. But people could not move him. Uh, if you study his life, we're not going to take the time to go through the Bible and look at all these today for the sake of time. But I thought about a good man like Barnabas, the son of consolation, We've read about him just earlier. What a wonderful man Barnabas was. But Barnabas and, 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 and Paul were partners in the ministry, but Barnabas took a different route. Paul saw something in Barnabas that he didn't like, and he saw that he picked up John Mark, who was moving away from, from serving God and faithfulness to God, and picked him up and wanted to take John Mark with him in, in ministry and in the mission trip. Paul said, no, we're not going to do it. And he looked at him, and they, they had strong contention between them that they parted their ways because Barnabas wasn't wasn't right and he's thinking that was later born out in his life and uh, with some other doctrine but Paul also withstood uh, Peter to his face and talked about in Galatians chapter 2 and he was telling Peter there in so many words he said you know that Christ uh, that that in Christ you are free from keeping the ceremonial law and and then you know that uh, Peter then why do you teach that To the Jews, why do you not uh, take your stand on freedom from the ceremonial law? And uh, Peter was teaching otherwise. And so much so that he even drew Barnabas away. Barnabas thought, well, well, maybe I can't hang with Paul. Maybe I can hang with Barnabas Barnabas, because Barnabas was a little softer in his thing. And so to the point that in Galatians chapter 2 verse 13 Paul says this, and the other Jews dissembled likewise with him in so much that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation, their fraud, their deception. So even in the ranks of these people of God, they were moving as I'm not trying to belittle the, the ministry of Barnabas Bar- because he was a good man. I'm just saying that Paul had to deal with people in his ministry, And uh, the list goes on. John Mark did turn back and Paul had invested his life in him as a son, but he walked away. Demas forsook him and Alexander the coppersmith did him much evil. I'm just saying today that peer pressure is a very powerful tool. If you're not careful, you'll throw your hands up and say, what's the use? Don't let it move you. People always drag you down to their level. It makes them feel better about their own sin. By the way, compromise is just as destructive. They say that when a house or building has been moved from its foundation, the building inspectors will use this word compromise. Speaking of the fact that the building itself is no longer safe because it has compromised its position directly over top the foundation. And if the movement continues, the dwelling is destined to be destroyed. Now listen to me. If you are moving off the foundation of thus saith the word of God, you're going to be compromised soon. You're going to be destroyed spiritually. As a pastor, I watch it more than I want to watch it. My friend, understand, you can't just flippantly go through life and say, well, I used to believe that, but now I believe this. You better stand on, thus saith the word of God. And so he says, people couldn't move him. He said, none of these things move me. Or the second thing down, persecution couldn't move him. Here he speaks of the lying and way of the Jews and how they plotted to kill him many times. And in Acts chapter 14, verse 19, they stoned him and even left him for dead. And maybe you've lived your life to where you've had somebody have an agenda against you and how they may be plotting against you and conniving against you to take you down or take you out. You say, a preacher, all that's just a bunch of conspiracy stuff. Nobody really believes that. Well, hey, why don't you wake up and smell the roses and see what's going on in America right now? You say, well, who's behind all this stuff? Name him, preacher. Pull him out. I'm going to tell you who's behind all of it. It's the devil. He hates the church. He hates the Christian. He hates the blood of Christ. And he is the prince of the power of the air. And I should say the airwaves today. And he is having a heyday right now because he knows he has a very short time. We've all been taught that in Scripture. We've all been taught that Jesus Christ is coming again. We need to be paying attention to all of it right now. Oh, yeah. So they came after Paul to try to take him out. The Jews couldn't stand him because he didn't preach the same thing that they preached. But he said, "I wouldn't let it happen." God allowed me to evade, uh, evade their plots and their agendas and get away, and the list goes on. And persecution couldn't move him. Number three, pressure couldn't move him. Once you to write this verse down and look at it later, 2 Corinthians chapter eleven, verses twenty-three and following. And in that section of scripture, he gives a long list of the pressure that's put on this man. He talks about how people came after him. He talks about his sickness, his afflictions. He talks about uh, uh, one day the ship was wrecked and he floated a night and a day on a board out in the deep. He talked about so many things that was going on in his life. He said, didn't he talk about in the care of all the churches because God Task the Apostle Paul with this matter of church planting and open up the church as we know it today. That was all given to the Apostle Paul. He said, I got to care of all these churches I'm starting. I'm trying to get pastors in them, trying to get them going. Paul knew what it was that pressure in the ministry. He knew what it was to get ran out of town. He knew what it was to, for people not to like him, for people to hate him and speak evil out of him. But he said, I didn't let that move me. And pressure couldn't move him. Number four, the powers of hell couldn't move him. And by the way, this is not a pretty discussion here, but in Acts chapter eight, chapter 13, verses 8 through 12, he talks about Eliamus, the sorcerer, and how he had to come after him with strong, harsh words and, and fight back the, the powers of hell. Another time in, in Acts chapter 19, verses 13 through 20, a demon-possessed man comes out, and, and he's scaring everybody to death, and there's these seven sons of Sceva who went around Uh, 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 cast, what do you call that, Uh, exorcist, exorcist, casting out demons, and and he had to deal with that whole mess right there. It's a horrible thing to understand some of the demonic oppression that was going on in Paul's day. But listen to me, it's still going on today. And understand that the devil is never more successful than it makes you think he doesn't exist. There is a real, live, walking, talking devil. Paul had to deal with it. You don't even know sometimes how much you have to deal with it. But the powers of hell could not move him. Prison couldn't move him, number five. How many times was Paul arrested and jailed for preaching the gospel? Many of his epistles were written from prison. And so he spent a lot of time in jail. My uh, dear Pastor, friend, brother Bobby Robertson said this many years ago. I wrote in my Bible, he said this, he said, Paul wasn't worried about what kind of hotel room he would stay in when he went to his particular city, but he was more concerned in what kind of jail cell he would stay in. And sometimes we worry more about the comforts of of life than we do about what could happen, but understand prison couldn't move him. Number six, the problems of the future couldn't move him. Here in Acts chapter 20, he states that he's, He's headed for Jerusalem, and uh, there there he's going to fall into some trouble, but the Holy Spirit was moving him there. So if the Spirit of God was in control of his life, he was not concerned about the future. May I just stop and say this today, that you and I do not know what the future holds for sure, but we know who holds the future, and as long as you and I know that, as long as you and I know that we're walking in the will of God, we're stepping in the light every single day, and we're obeying the Word of God, you and I have nothing to fear. Nothing to fear. May God help us with that. Holy Spirit informed him that in every city he went to, the people that were out to get him, but he went anyway, trusting God to protect him. Now, I'm simply saying this man was unmovable. You say, how did he do that? Well, Paul did a little bit of accounting. Once you look at verse number 24, he says, But none of these things move me, neither count oh, my life. That word count is an accounting term. Does that means he, he added some things up. The word move means there were some things that was intended to affect him. But the effect was the opposite of what Satan wanted. You know, I thought about how these things that I just mentioned, these six things could have affected him. And many people could muster up, maybe it's just some tenacity or grit. And somebody said, well, the apostle Paul, he must have been a tough old bird. You think, well, he just did it with true grit. The apostle was not a tough old bird. In fact, he was not a very healthy person. Scholars tells us that he had bad eyesight. Now, I've talked to you about that before. I won't get into detail about his health. It was bad. He was a sickly kind of fella. If he had been many of us, he would have probably admitted himself to some type of care facility. But there's a deeper meaning there. That word count, it means to add up, to make a calculation, to make a reckoning about life. And his reckoning was this. He said uh, he looked at what God had for him. And he looked at what the world had for him a long time ago. By the way, he had a lot in the world. He said, look what God had. Look what the world had. He said, I think I'm just going to keep going going forward for God. And by the way, it may be time in your life where you need to add some things up in your life and make a reckoning in your life and understand that what God has for you is far, far outweighs what the world has. And you and I know we all have a lot of stuff. We've got stuff stacked in our garage. We've got stuff stacked in our cabinets. We've got stuff stacked in our uh, Pantries, we got stuff stacked in the cars, glove box and the armrests and the trunk and lined around outside of our house. And we've got a, people's got the storage buildings out back that have full of stuff. And we got all kinds of things, but our things are all going to burn someday. And our things mean nothing compared to the blessings of almighty God who said he'd stand with us and stick with us. And I'm just saying today that uh, Paul had some things worked up in his life and his mind That added up to him and made sense to him It's high time that you and I hold on to those things that are eternal. You say, what steps did he take to be unmovable? Let me give you three of them and I'm finished. I think most of them are in the scriptures here. What are the steps that he took to become so unmovable? Number one, humility. Humility. And by the way, that's not something you go around bragging about. Paul did something in this accounting that we need to pay attention He said, neither count my life dear unto myself. That's not the attitude today. Not the prevailing attitude, I should say. He says in verse 19, if you look at it, serving the Lord with all humility. Someone once said, there is nothing dearer than life itself, but Paul would disagree with that because he thought he was nothing. One way to keep moving is to walk away from selfish, vain thinking. Now, I can't tell you how to do that. Somebody says it's, it's hard to be humble, and it is. And we go spouting around about how humble we are and downplaying ourselves all the time. That usually means the opposite. That usually means you want someone to praise you. So I'm not going to tell you how to do it. I will tell you that God and the Holy Spirit knows how to humble you. He knows how to get you where you need to be. But i also tell you this. If you fall into the world's idea of life, you won't have a clue what humility is because it's all about self right now. People are so blinded to their selfish needs, they don't have a clue what's going on around them. And that's why this world is so blind. And that's why Jesus said, we'll I even find faith when I come back to this earth because it's Satan's job to blind the minds that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine unto them. I have never seen such spiritual blindness in all of my life. That's why we need a great awakening. I'm just saying if you listen to the world's idea of living up, you're going to move. People walk away because they're tired of old-time religion. They're tired of God's way. They're tired of Bible way. Second Peter chapter 3 says, they'd say one day, they said, Well, where is the coming of the Lord? Where is he? Don't ever get like that. Number two, write this down purpose. Paul had not just humility, but he had purpose. Paul said, he said, in verse number 24, he said, I've got a course to follow. He said, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry. He had a path. He had a purpose. It was very clear as daylight to him. His course was to testify to the gospel of the grace of God, the last part of verse 24. He desired to finish that course with joy, and he got a kick out of serving God. Now, somehow, you and I were going to get back to the place where we enjoy serving God, because he did. In the midst of all of his persecution, he said, I want to finish my course with joy. He said in verse, 1 Timothy 4, verse 6, he said, For I am ready now to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. <laughs> I've fought a good fight, and I've, I've finished my course. <clears throat> I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them that love the appearing, his appearing. Do you love the appearing? Are you looking forward to the appearing of Jesus Christ? You know what I've found in this generation? There's a lot of Christians not watching that. You say, how do you know that preacher? Because they're going the world's way. You're not going to go the world's way if you really believe Jesus Christ had come back at any moment. You still believe that his return is imminent? How many believe that Jesus Christ had come back today? And we should be preparing for that. Number one, I think what stopped him from moving was humility. Number two, what stopped him was moving from his purpose. Let me just stop and say this. If you have left your purpose for being a Christian, moved. If you've walked away from serving God, if you've walked away from faithfulness, if you've walked away from reading the Word of God, if you've walked away from your prayer life, if you've walked away from taking your stand against sin, you've started picking up the practices of the world, you've moved. And before long, you'll be so far away from the Lord that you'll wonder if you're even a Christian. Number one, humility kept him close. He died to self. Number two, purpose. He kept purpose. Keep your purpose. Keep your ministry right between your eyes so you never forget what it's all about. Be you steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Everything that you're doing in the world right now, all of it's going to burn up. I don't care if it's that immaculate lawn, that nice, fancy, shiny car, that hobby, that sport that you're so good at, that talent that you're the best at. It doesn't matter. It's all going to burn someday. Number three, the last part's integrity. I think Paul had great integrity. He had a calling on his life. Look what he says. This is where character matters. He, said, he, didn't, he didn't just become a minister because he wanted. He said, uh, verse 24, he said, and, and, and the ministry which I have received of the Lord. Now, forgive me, but this is personal to me, very personal. I have a, I have a calling on my life. I didn't just wake up one day and say, well, I work for Appalachian Power Company now on a power generation plant. I think now I'm going to change my career. I think now I'm going to be a minister. No. God wore me out in his woodshed to get me to walk away from what I'm doing with my wife and do what I'm doing right now. And if you think I take this stuff lightly, I think some people walk into my office someday and I think they just think, Well, you know, it really don't matter to him anyway. Oh, that's where you made your number one mistake. Because what I do, I've received of the Lord. And I take it very seriously. Because none of you have to stand before the Lord someday and give an account for what you do as far as pastoring a church. Only me. It's a very specific judgment for me. But you know, you've got a calling on your life as well. The Bible says you are reconciled, and now you're an ambassador for Jesus Christ. Let me ask you, when's the last time you gave out the gospel of Jesus Christ? Just as much as I take my calling on my life seriously, you should be taking your calling on your life as a Christian just as seriously. You say, what do you mean, preacher? It's a matter of character. It's a matter of integrity. It's a matter of practicing what you preach and doing what you say you are. There's a lot of people that call themselves Christians and there's a lot of people say, well, I'm standing right here, but their life demonstrates they have moved completely away from everything they believed. I know Christians right now that said they would never drink alcohol, but they drink alcohol. They moved. I know Christians right now that said they, they believed in salvation by grace through faith. And then not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works that any man should boast, but now they believe that God picks and chooses through reform theology. Some predestinated to heaven, some predestinated to hell. I know know people right now that have moved away from, from what they even think sin is. They just kind of play with it and dabble with it because God doesn't feel the same way about it. But yet, oh, they're standing, standing on the promises. But they've moved. There's nothing more dangerous for you in your life to say you stand when you know full well you moved and you know full well you don't believe what you used to believe. I'm going to tell you what we need in 2021. We need some Christians that will stand and not move. You say, preacher, why didn't you make our theme steadfast instead of unmovable? Because you can say you're steadfast all day long, but if you move, that's why he put the two words together. They go hand in hand. You just say, I'm not going to move. You just sing a song, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. Just like a tree planted by the waters, I shall not be moved. I'm just saying, I thank God Paul didn't move. And I thank God Jesus Christ didn't move. And I thank God that whenever the, all the forces of hell tried to stop him from going the cross and dying for my sins, that he didn't let one thing stop him. He set his face like a flint to the cross of Calvary so he would die, bleed and die for my sins. But thank God he rose again from the grave and nothing to stop him from doing that. He sets in his throne on high waiting for you to come be with him someday, you and I. Integrity says this. I'm not doing this because someone looks over my shoulder to see if I'm doing it. I'm doing this because I love the Lord and I love doing this. May God help us have integrity. So let me ask you today. Don't answer out loud, but have you moved? Have you moved? I got saved, a little boy, night, May 30th, 1965. I remember the day like it was yesterday. I remember it. I remember the day that I went down that waters there in Tug Fork Creek and got baptized. I remember all of it. Do you remember the day you got saved? Someone say Amen. But then I lived in my mom and dad's home. I began to grow in the Lord as they taught the word of God in the home. And then I got on my own. I started studying the word of God on my own. And, and I just, I came up with my convictions. I was taught my convictions from my parents. And then, of course, they kept me in places where that was born out. in the, in the other training that I received, I stayed in churches where I knew I'd be getting the word of God, the truth. Now I just preach you the truth the best way I know how, but you won't get what I just preach in most churches in America. Well, let me ask you a question. Have you moved from what you used to believe? Can I say this? It's a scary thought. Many Christians have. And we could be coming to the midnight hour real soon where we could almost say most Christians. The books that I'm reading right now The research I'm doing right now on the great apostasy. These men were writing six, eight, ten years ago talking about the fact of the movement of people away from their faith. It's 2021. And everything, as I've told you before, everything right now is designed to pull you out of church. What are you going to do tomorrow? For those of you listening online, by the way, and I'm glad, thank you for listening online. I should have said this in the first service. What are you going to do if, we don't have an internet. <clears throat> you can't listen online. What are you going to do? Well, I reckon that show is over. Uh, you know what? Hey, preacher, she's a good run. Mm-hmm. That's what the person says that can be moved. But the person's unmovable. Always find a way to track themselves back to where Jesus is working. Stand together, please. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. I appreciate your attention. I'm not just whistling Dixie today. I've prayed about what I preached. I've studied about what I preached. Now I'm telling you, I think I know the things that moves people. I just named six of them. And I don't want anybody to move. Right now, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I want to say preacher. God spoke to my heart today. I want to be unmovable. I want to pick up the theme. I want to be on move. Would you lift your hand, put it up real high? God bless you. Many hands raised. Thank you for that. I appreciate your attention today. We're going to play softly right here. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. If God's speaking to your heart, you want to come and make a commitment about that, I want you to do that. If you want to do it right there in your seat, you can do it right there in your seat. Let's take this Sunday in 2020 to say, I'm not going to be moved. I'm not going to be moved. God said it would be like this. He told us over and over, be like this. I'm not going to be moved days ahead your faith could be jarred to, the, to its roots don't be moved this morning if you're here and you're not sure that heaven's your home you're in the best place you can be to come to the Lord we're going to have somebody standing here with the Bible in their hand they'd love to take that Bible today and show you how you could be a born again Christian we're going to sing Father bless this invitation time speak to hearts please we pray in Jesus name Amen we're singing right now you come would you do that I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No journey back. No turning You'll see a verse here if you've been back. saved. If you've not been baptized, we'd love to help you with that. If you'd like to join our church, we'd love to have you come. They're singing now, you come. Would you do that? Let's sing that first verse together. Let's sing it again, would you? Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for the challenge to be steadfast and unmovable. Dear God, help us as a church family to move through 2021. If you so, tarry, we'll still be right where we started as far as what we believe. In Jesus' name, we ask these things. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Good Michael, Michael Herman, did you come to join today? I'm just guessing you did. Okay. Why don't you stand right there? You're going to fill out your paperwork. Would you stand there with your, with your new wife? This is who Allie Smart chose to marry right here, Michael. And we thank God for him. They're a lovely couple, but we need to get him to join the church because we need to get him busy. So I'm assuming that's why you came as a good guest, wasn't it? You rejoiced his decision to do that. Would you say amen? Yes. Amen. God bless you. You're in. How about that? That easy. Y'all may be seated there. Thank you so much. We're excited for them and, and their new marriage. And I hope you'll be a blessing to Allie and, and uh, Michael and and uh, so we're thankful for that. I probably forgot something. My my brain's going 90 miles an hour right now. Thank you for being patient with your scattered brain preacher. It has been some week this week and just trying to pull all together. If I miss somebody in a prayer request, I really had probably another 50